Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everybody, welcome to Nerd Ithacent. It is your co-host, man with the most ready to boast, always trying to toast, Iffy Wadiway. Sitting across from me. Danny Fernandez, <laughs> the girl with the pearl and the earl who's always trying to hurl after, <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah, how's everybody Curl. doing? <laughs> um, hang on, what are? Wait, let me bring up the, my rhymes with. Uh, <laughs> have you ever used that like website? Oh yeah, I definitely it. have. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that's because you used to be in your um, your like underground rapping days. Oh yeah, no, I didn't use the site then. I used it like I had a submission where I had to like write a song for a show, and I definitely used rhymes with for that and i was like okay let's uh go. this part of the podcast sponsored by rhymes with rhymes with <laughs> <laughs> and i wrote it down as to check in with the site and see if we can get a sponsorship hell yeah so today we're talking about uh something that is synonymous with video games i think you know is the you say it everyone knows it before there was ps4s and xboxes there has always been nintendo and as a matter of fact black moms all over the nation Still call PS4 and Xboxes <laughs> Nintendos. Over there on that Nintendo. Need to get off that Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, I'm excited about this episode and as I have to do as a precursor for every general episode before y'all flood our TLs with your opinions, this is just a general general discussion about Nintendo as a whole. We will zero in on the Super Marios, the Metroids, the Star Foxes, the Smash Bros. Zelda? The Zeldas, all of them at a later date. But this is just Nintendo in general, its history. And then we'll have a you know guest on later this episode who has actually worked with Nintendo and we can uh, talk about that. But uh, first, uh, we're going to start this off how we start off you know, every episode with 
Wait, Ify, what was your first introduction to Nintendo? Oh, you're starting off with a spicy question. My first introduction to Nintendo was the Nintendo Entertainment System, which was the NES. My mm-hmm. dad had it. And I remember we had Duck Hunt and, yes. Yes. Ma- and the Mario game. Yes. And I only played Duck Hunt, and I played it the dumb way all kids my age played it, which was pressing the gun up against <laughs> the screen and like thinking that that helped it when it didn't because it's about you know a camera inside the gun that captures the hole that you know it's it's all science. Yeah, I guess that would be mine, but also Game Boy. Game Boy, for sure. I used to play my brothers. That was a Fernandez family road trip necessary component. I think we might have, he, you know, so my brother was about 18 months older than me, and he got all of the consoles and gaming systems and everything. So it was essentially whenever he got tired of it that I was able to scoop it up. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. And was it the original gray gigantic yep. Game yes, Boy? Okay. It was. I've I've touched a few of those early on, but I never owned one. The first one my parents got me was actually the Game Boy Color. I don't know if you oh, remember the yeah. Game Boy Color yeah. came out. That was a big uh, deal. Yeah. So I was rocking that for a bit and I had Pokemon. I lost it and it didn't come back in the Game Boy game until the Game Boy Advance. And I just got to say with the Game Boy, because I know when we moved on to, uh, which we'll get into N64 and everyone always jokes about, or or the original NES, but like, yeah, blowing in the cartridge and stuff. But I just oh, yeah. remember that so much with Game Boy that I'm sure there's a bunch of our old games just filled with my spit and blow. Yeah. <laughs> That that sounds horrible. My blow, my uh, (laughs) my five year old cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah. Those were so. Well, yeah. Let's get into it. That was my introduction, though. Yeah, we had. What games did you play? I can't even. I'm trying to remember. Tetris for sure. sure. Super Mario, which I was very good at, or I got good at. I felt that that was my favorite. Um, Tetris, I still. I don't know. Did you know that Mark Ellis, who was on our our Infinity, Infinity War, War podcast, yeah. he is obsessed with Tetris. Like he really? considers himself one of the best Tetris players. Ooh. It is one of the, one of his favorite games that he would always play to like wind down or so. He plays it every single night. Really on a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, you just opened up a challenge because I'm sure we got some Tetris pros that listen. They're like, oh, he's the best. All right, well, <laughs> all right, well, let me send him this score. So feel free to tweet at Mark Ellis your, <laughs> your Tetris score. scores. He probably uh, gets super competitive. About oh yeah, it. I mean, he plays it every night. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. See, I don't find that to be calming in any way. You're like so, especially here in LA. You're like stuck in these in your little box car like like moving with other cars and trying to get across and like you're just stuck in traffic and then you get home and then you're like trying to sort these other boxes into oh too much anxiety oh yeah um anyways it was great <laughs> <laughs> well yeah let's uh let's let's hop down to deep dive which you start off at the very very early beginnings of nintendo which i've learned a few years back which blew me away because if you had to just guess off the off the top of your dome, when would you assume that Nintendo was started? Probably the 80s. Yeah, that's that's what I always assumed, but it was actually in the 80s of the 1800s, the late 80s of the 1800s. Dang, I wasn't wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1889 is when Fusajiro Yamaguchi founded a small company named Nintendo Pie to uh, manufacture Hanafuda, which were uh, flower cards, a type of Japanese gambling cards, uh, and... 
the word Nintendo roughly translates to luck heaven hall uh, or a place where your fortune is placed in the hands of gods. So I, it's basically gambling. Huh, yeah. Nintendo yeah. is a gamble. Uh, but business boomed for many decades and Nintendo is still uh, one of the top Hanafuda manufacturers in the world. Which, if you, if you, if that's your game, if you're like, oh man, which if that's your game, you probably know since they're one of the top yeah. uh, manufacturers in the world. But when uh, Yama, when Yamauchi's grandson Hiroshi took over in 1956, he began looking for ways to diversify the company's revenue streams. So uh, the younger Yamauchi tried his hand at some pretty outside the box businesses. There were instant rice packets. Love what hotel. Would that, what would that be? Oh yeah. Oh, inst- yeah. Instant rice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, some, love hotel. Yeah, yeah. Catering to amorous couple. That doesn't sound like a thing that a couple would do. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to go to the Nintendo hotel? No, no, no. I mean, like uh, that sounds like something that two adults would do, but I don't know if they would be couples. It sounds like uh, uh, something that someone who is already in a relationship would do with someone who's not in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, um, meet me at the love hotel. Uh, don't tell my wife. <laughs> And then a taxi cab company and other missteps. And then he finally found Nintendo's new niche in the late 60s, gaining a foothold in Japan's electronic toys market. When uh, Hiroshi saw the incredible success of the home computer and arcade company Atari in the 1970s, he set his sights on the video game market. And in 1975, Nintendo developed the EVR race, which is the first Uh ever video game. EVR was a betting simulator. Yeah, so it was. So they're pretty much still in that betting type of, like you said. Um, EVR race was extremely large, so six players could participate in it. It was a game where horses horses would race on the screen, and then the players were required to predict which horse would win. So literally betting, (laughs) (laughs) but in the comfort of your of your own home with this huge, essentially simulator. The game was really complicated, so after Nintendo released it, they kind of had a hard time uh, maintaining it. And there were also a lot of breakdowns, which people never really talk about in the early arcade um, and video game industries that, you know, a lot of arcades and games like this would break down often. And so basically because of this, they they quickly realized how difficult it was to actually maintain these arcade games. You know, before I feel like a few people are guffawing at the concept of like betting on this like, you know, computer generated horse race. But look, if you think that's dead, there's a Twitch channel called Salty Bet. I like to go there sometimes, usually when I'm in a room, (laughs) usually usually during big like writing meetings where there no one's really talking to me. I'll just hop on a Salty Bet or like when I'm in any other meeting where I'm not paying that much attention wait so what is this so salty bet is a twitch channel where there's basically a a arcade machine emulator called mugen where people can put custom made characters into this fighting game and so like you'll have characters from like hulk you'll have just like anime characters you'll have like little waifu characters and it's just so many different characters street fighter characters Uh sometimes from tekken and they just automatically randomly place these different characters against each other and then you the user get these oh. f- fake currency called salty bucks and you bet on who you think is going to win the fight and then there's like little memes within it so it's like waifu always wins like because <laughs> usually the little anime characters the little chibi ones always have some broken ability oh really <laughs> yeah or their hitbox is too that's small that's why I pick Kirby yeah. you know, everyone underestimates Kirby but Kirby can take everybody speaking of Nintendo yeah, yeah. Kirby can take uh, anyone's powers yeah. just swallow them and become them yeah 
So then in 1977, Nintendo introduced the Color TV Game Home Video Game Console. The machine came preloaded with several versions of the same game. Initially, Nintendo's version of Pong, one of the most ubiquitous games of the era, and would sell roughly 3 million units over the next three years. So that's like a million a year. That's And back in the 70s, that's nothing to scoff at. Yeah. So then uh, two years later, they actually made something called Radi- Radar Scope. So that was an arcade game shooter, which it was kind of a mashup between Space Invaders and Namco's Galaxian. Um, but it also didn't do well. Well, it did well in Japan, but then it didn't do well in North America, which was where they were trying to break into. Um, so... Um, so what, so they were trying to break into North America and essentially Nintendo produced 3000 radar scope cabinets for distribution in the United States and those didn't really sell. So Yamauchi was left with nearly 2000 unsold radar scope machines. I wonder where those are now. I I would like to have one. Those are probably so much money I know. Isn't that funny that they were probably like nobody wanted them and now everybody would try to get their hands on them? Yeah, because back then they said the game was too similar to Space Invaders. So they were like, ah, we already got this. And they were like, that makes sense. But but soon... uh, Soon they, they, they did find a success, and this is where things get a little familiar. So then in 1981, Donkey Kong dropped, and it was a huge success. But the company did not take their hands off the joystick and celebrate their win. They quickly developed and released a sequel named Donkey Kong Jr., which I feel like that was the big thing back yeah. in the day. Like the sequel was Juniors, because you had Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, then Pac-Man Jr., You know, so Donkey Kong Jr. came out and was like, was good. Uh, (laughs) And this and this featured the son of Donkey Kong attempting to rescue his father from the evil clutches of the character formerly known as Jumpman, but is now known as Mario. Despite Mario being the bad guy for the first and only time in his career, the game was another huge success for Nintendo. And in 1983, Mario finally got a chance to be the star when he and his brother Luigi, now billed as the Plumbers from New York, God, which is such so interesting. interesting. Yeah, such an interesting. Also, they are brothers, not yeah. cousins. That's yeah. uh, some lore. Oh man, I, I there was a huge fight about uh, this. I forgot what show I was doing. But basically, people thought that, oh, I was working for a quiz app. And uh, one of the questions were, oh. what was the relationship between Wario and Waluigi? And they were like, brothers. And that is not true. They're cousins? No, they're not. There's no. Coworkers. There's, yeah, there's no, <laughs> no, there was no written relationship between Waluigi and uh What kind of question Wario. is that? Was so was the answer no relationship? Yeah, it was there was it was like what? something like that. And so people got mad because they were so sure and we did research after uh-huh. and it's true. I even asked uh our, our buddy Nick Weiger who was like a big uh big fan of Wario yeah. Waluigi and he was like, "Nope." The, so Okay, so you're telling me that somewhere in the world there was a mom that had her son named uh, Wario, mm-hmm. and then another part of the world, Waluigi, and yeah, they yeah. just so happen to find each other. Yeah, I mean, it's it's those are common names in Why Italy? So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I was gonna say if you uh, right before we had um, Donkey Kong Junior. As far as Donkey Kong being made itself, this is pretty cool. So Yamauchi brought in uh, Shigeru Miyamoto uh, to create Donkey Kong. And so he was one of the developers. And 
because he wasn't a programmer, he focused more on the story at first. And he actually was inspired by Popeye. Well, it says he was inspired by Popeye, Beauty and the Beast, and King Kong, which, of course, Donkey yeah. Kong. Oh, yeah. But um, with, uh, with Popeye, he, uh, instead of having Bluto and Popeye fight over olive oil, he essentially made a carpenter, like you said, Jumpman, who ended up being Mario, uh, rescue his girlfriend from a giant gorilla, Donkey Kong. Ah, and maybe that's where the mushrooms came from. Instead of spinach, they ate the mushroom. Yeah. Yeah, Miyamoto is one of the biggest kind of names associated with Nintendo. When people see him, they get happy. And it was him and Satoru uh, Iwata are like, you know, he passed recently. Mm-hmm. But uh, he actually passed in uh, 2015. I guess that's not recent anymore. Time has been moving. But I mean, so like fast. in the gr- in yeah. the grand scheme of Nintendo, yeah, yeah. yeah. And those are like kind of the two kind of big dogs for. Nintendo and you know more not- more notably the Japanese side North America's big guys Reggie. Uh. You know what I forgot to say? There is a brother in this though, and that is Diddy Kong. Oh yeah, who I was in love with. I I loved Diddy Kong. I was a Diddy Kong fan. Like that was who I related to. My older brother was Donkey Kong, but I was Diddy Kong. Oh. And then I had Diddy Kong Racing, which I still to this day have a closer place in my heart than Mario Kart. But let's talk about Mario. Mario on July 15th, 1983, Nintendo and Mario leaped out of the arcade and into the living rooms of millions of families uh, with the release of the home console Family Computer. What a great marketable name, Family Computer. That's why it was called the NES when it was out here, which is funny because it's just as wordy as Family Computer, which is shortened to Famicom for a lot of people. But but it's just as much as the (laughs) Nintendo Entertainment System. But NES sounds cool. Which also is just, like, it's confusing because you have an entertainment system when you usually like yeah. you know so it's like oh but the, no that's the Nintendo entertainment system which is inside my entertainment system yeah yeah and that the, so the NES was released in the American market in September of 1986 and it had 17 different games oh, on wow. it but everyone's favorite or most people's favorite the most popular was Super Mario Brothers yeah so the 17 games that drop with the uh, NES, you heard me say it earlier, the Duck Hunt. Uh, Euromite, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, that's how we'll say it. <laughs> or Gyromite. Gyro- that doesn't sound as good. Um, yeah. The 10 yard fight. Baseball. Clue Clue Land. Uh, Donkey Kong Jr. Math. Sounds so not fun. Excite Bite. <laughs> you know, someone's mom, like, put, yeah. they like brought in like family, they did testing yeah. on like parents and stuff about how they would get them to buy this. Yeah, <laughs> for like, their that kids. Donkey Kong Jr. Math seems very interesting. <laughs> Golf. Hogan's Alley. Ice Climber. Kung Fu. Uh, Mock Rider. Pinball. Stack Up. Tennis. Wild Gunman. And Wrecking Crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it was funny because it did not launch uh, with Super Mario Brothers. Uh, we, even though it's just been uh, released in Japan, it was not released in right. America. Yeah. So, so people had to wait for that new hotness. Ooh. Is he Italian? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, he's talking, it's a me, Mario. I mean, that doesn't make him Italian. <laughs> <laughs> he's just the dude who talks like that for no reason. I think so. Yeah. Um. Cool. 
Let's just uh, talk more just Nintendo about the system. There's a lot of great people who were involved with Nintendo that uh, we mentioned, like Miyamoto, uh, Iwata, and Reggie, who uh, his last name I just figured out is uh, Fils Aim, which is French. Uh, he grew up in the Bronx, New York, but people just refer to him as Reggie, and he's kind of the, the origin of the meme, my body is ready, kind of came from him, which, uh, which is from uh, something he said at uh, an E3, which we'll talk about at a later episode. Oh, dope. But this is about Nintendo in general, and I don't want to get lost in the you know figureheads of the company. I want to talk about the system itself, and we want to go... And tell you the best-selling Nintendo games of all time. Uh, this you, might shock people. Yeah, it shocked me for sure. So I'm gonna give you all, you know, a few seconds to, to brace think, yourselves. Yeah, yeah, to brace yourselves to think what you think it is. Yeah, and we'll do the top ten, and we'll start from ten, and we'll work our way up. Uh, so let's get it started. Number ten, which I'm real proud about because I've been talking about this game for, <laughs> since the start of this episode. The start of this episode till now <laughs> is Duck Hut. Which is twenty eight million. Which I don't know if that really counts since it came with the system, but you know I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it the crown. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so n- number nine is We Play. That was Ooh. super popular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, twenty eight point oh two million. Just just barely edging out Duck Hunt. Yeah. Uh, and number eight is Tetris for the Game Boy. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, mm-hmm. yeah. Thirty million. Okay. So uh, number seven, New Super Mario Bros. on the Wii. Oh, that was so a fun one. Yeah. I'm fascinated by how many of these are Wii related. Oh, yeah. So, and that's 30.11 million. Yeah. And then the new Super Mario Bros., which was the same game, but on the DS. Yeah. Uh, or I, I wonder if it was the other way around. I think it was. It came out on the DS and then they made it for the Wii. Uh, we'll look into that. But that was 30.80 million. Pokemon Red, Green, Blue uh, for Game Boy, 31.38 million. Ooh, wee, spicy, dighty. And then uh, Wii Sports Resort, 33.06. The Wii Sport really is like... How is this? Now, picture in your head every Nintendo game that you know. <laughs> and Wii Sports Resort beat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at least most of them. It's at number four. Number three, of course, we have Mario Kart. This was Ooh. Mario Kart Wii specifically, so 37.02 million. It makes sense, I guess, yeah. with the popularity of the Wii and game, like kind of where we're at now, that the majority of these are for Wii, but I still find that really fascinating. And number two is Super Mario Bros. for the NES and GBA, 42.51 million. Okay, brace yourself. Yeah. Number one. Who? What would you have thought number one would be? The number one selling. I would have thought Nintendo. Pokemon, but Pokemon's pretty high up there. They're in the top five at least. Yeah, that's true. I guess for some reason I thought it would be Super Mario Bros. Um, well, it was. It was until this oh. game came out. It was number one until this game came out. This game being Wii, Wii Sports. Sports. God, Wii. yep. Yeah. The thing that you pull out after every Thanksgiving when your family, <laughs> that's my family, when like uncles like passed out asleep and who's going to break out the Wii Sports? I know it's surprising, but not surprising because I feel like Wii Sports is the one game that across the board, whether you're a gamer or not, everyone is aware of. Everyone has seen the video of someone playing tennis or someone Go- yeah. doing the golf. Uh-huh. I feel like those videos going viral, like many of them did has just made people flock to Wii's. I can't believe that Super Smash Brothers didn't even like get Super Smash Brothers is number yeah. number 29? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, god. Oh yeah. 
I mean, I just played that religiously. And <laughs> Super Mario 64 is all the way down at number 40. That was my favorite game growing up. It just really uh, knocked us back down a peg. But that is something that's very interesting. I want to talk about the Wii a bit. And the Wii, I feel like inside like gamer culture shook the the gaming zeitgeist because you had the Wii kind of dropped around the time the PS3 and the Xbox 360 came. So everyone was waiting for Nintendo's next gen consoles. So someone thought that they were going to compete with something that is that has like 1080p HD graphics, very powerful new controller. And they came out with this Wii console that was used a remote <laughs> a motion. Yeah. I mean, and, but it was very, inter- it was extremely interactive. You well, know? What it was, was approachable for a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like when people see Agreed. controllers, they're like, what? But everyone uses a remote. So I think that made it approachable for just the general kind of, uh, you know, yeah, it's one of those things where I public. think like I can't remember in the commercials if they did this, but it's it's people of all ages essentially. Like you mm-hmm. could give your grandma a Wii remote and she can just use her body like she can swing, you know, the golf club or bowl. I was really great at bowling. And so I agree like you said if it's it's you don't have to worry necessarily too much about a lot of the buttons. Uh it's, you know, largely based on your body movement for a lot of things. Yeah. So I did think, and it's and it's interactive. It's like a family, you know, a lot of the Wii games are encouraging for others to play kind of as a group. Oh, yeah. So, and it, and it, you, I think you had it right in what you said, is a family console. It was a big deal when they finally came around and had an M-rated game. They, the Wii typically tried to be just fun for all, and they tried to steer more towards family-friendly game, which a lot of people thought that was a bad move, but in the end, I think it was a good move because you had these two giant uh, consoles competing with each other, the Xbox and PlayStation, and they were coming out neck-to-neck with exclusives, shooter games, action God of War, violent games, and then you have this like fun console that you can bring out and the whole family wants to play. And I think that's where they capitalize. And, you know, the Wii U wasn't very successful because I feel like it it just kind of, one, I don't think personally it was that much of an advancement. It was literally just a a better version of the Wii, which you can say what you will about them doing that. But that's basically what the Xbox One X and the PlayStation 4 Pro is at this point. But mm-hmm. then they they made the Switch, which was another innovative game uh, console where it was it can be both portable and a console game you can play at home. So it seems like that's always been Nintendo's kind of drive yeah. is to find innovative ways to play versus trying to just be the best at what the current status quo is. Yeah, and I know that we skipped uh, forward to Wii, but I just wanted to mention the gaming systems that came before that. Oh, yeah. So we talked about the NES. So the difference with that was that it was an 8-bit system. Yeah. Um, and so that was in 1985. Then they upgraded to 16-bit uh, and that was in 1991 with the Super Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. I think I remember having that one as well. And then my favorite, and if you're a 90s kid, I mean, this was our home base, Nintendo 64. Uh, greatly improved 3D graphics, a oh, new yeah. controller, uh, the modern joystick. We have to do an entire episode on N64. I mean, we'll probably do an entire episode on most of these. Oh, yeah. But that came out in 1996. And then we have GameCube. I remember GameCube uh, in 2001. So that also had enhanced graphics, a new controller. Um, the games came on a mini disc, and it was N- Nintendo's first home console to use solely disc format for their games. 
And it was also the first and only Nintendo system to require additional memory cards in order to save. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, and then they had the Panasonic Q, which was kind of like a hybrid version of Nintendo GameCube. Uh, that was in 2001. But that could also, that kind of changed things because it could also play DVDs, audio CDs, MP3s, and CDs. So they were trying to catch up. I feel like they were trying to also do like what PlayStation was doing. And then we have the Wii in 2006. So the newer black, red, and blue models were dubbed the Wii Family Edition. So they were really capitalizing on the family market. We had the Wii Mini, which was a smaller version of the Wii console. That was in 2012. Uh, We had Wii U. Yeah, we had so many Wiis. Yeah. uh, Which was like a a gamepad with a touchscreen built into it. And that was uh, also in 2012. We had the NES Classic Edition. Totally. Did you get that, Iffy? Oh, no, I didn't. I, Did I you play anybody's? No, I, I wasn't going to fight the crowds. Crowds? Yeah. Oh, man. So if y'all don't know, I mean, just totally capitalizing on our nostalgia at this time, the NES Classic uh, was a mini console that was basically bringing back all your childhood of playing NES. It included 30 classic NES games, uh, but was also compatible with a Wii uh, controller, a Wii Classic controller. So, and then we have the Nintendo Switch, Ooh. which, do you have one of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great for flights. Yeah, yeah, the Nintendo Switch, um, and that was in 2017. It was kind of like a hybrid of a lot of the of the home and the portable mm-hmm. uh, gaming uh, of their consoles. And, uh, and then we also have the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition, or SNES Mini. And that was in 2017. Yeah, so so they've they've dropped uh, quite a few bangers, and the Switch is is doing well. It had a great year. Uh, Breath of the Wild swept the game of the years. All uh, all of them. Every almost every every publication's game of the year had Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And so, and they're I'm excited to see where they go with the Switch. Yeah, that wasn't even getting into all the different iterations of Game Boy that they had, but uh yeah, we'll we'll probably do we will do an entire episode on Game Boy. Oh yeah, we definitely just handhelds, just Nintendo handhelds. Yeah. But uh we'll talk a little bit more, but before that, I think you guys need a break, or at least we do. So we'll talk to you when we come back with our guests after this. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we are back. I hope you enjoyed that special message. Maybe it was about cat litter, stamps.com. Our Probably friends stamps. now. <laughs> I've been listening. You've been listening. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Iffy is you were like, like you didn't know what was going to play, but you were like, yeah, you probably just listened to a, an ad with Miles and Jack. And it was in fact an ad with Miles and Jack mm, from Daily Zeitgeist. So the secret. Yeah, the secret. You spoke it to truth. Yeah. We are joined now uh, with Michael Barity. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank yeah. you for having me. So can you let everyone know like where they might have seen your work? Uh, well, I work as a, you wouldn't have seen me per se, cause I'm more b- a behind the scenes yeah, guy. You would have seen your art though. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I have other stuff where you can see me, but I, uh, now I'm currently working as a, a producer and creative director for that one video entertainment, which is a, uh, umbrella company for, uh, the completionist with, uh, my friend Gerard Khalil and Super Beard Bros, which is a Let's Play channel between him and Alex Fasciani. That's so cool. So, and you have gotten to do some partnered work with Nintendo, but you also grew up with Nintendo. Yes. So how, I mean, what was your first introduction? What was the like video game or console that you remember first starting out with? First console and video game experience I remember was Super Mario World on the oh. Super Nintendo. Uh, I went to my friend Jason's house and saw <laughs> It's always the, the cool friend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the cool friend. And he was in the fourth world of Super Mario World. And I was like, this is incredible. Uh, and I was just captivated from that point on. However, not allowed to own a video <gasps> game system. Oh, my God. You were like iffy. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. Snap, they snagged it for me. Uh, did you have an age cap limit at w- which point you were like suddenly allowed to own one? No, because mine was, I was playing it too much and mm. they were like, you're not doing schoolwork. So, oh yeah. yeah. They- so my parents just were like outright, you, there are no video games in the house. So it wasn't until eighth grade that I was allowed to buy a video game console, wow. at which point I went all in and got both a Game Boy Advance and a GameCube. Oh, so, wow. so I went. Real hard, but that also was with my own money, so I had to be yeah. saving. So it was a lot of teaching of responsibility and fiscal savings and whatnot. So yeah. in order to contribute to uh, that lovely hobby of video games. Uh, but yeah, since then, I've owned exclusively Nintendo consoles. Really? Yes. Oh, damn. What are you playing right now? Do you play like regularly? Uh, Fairly frequently. I'm definitely dabbling. Uh, I dip in and out of Splatoon 2. Um, I'm excited for a lot of stuff coming out on yeah. the Switch. Uh, Are you going to be at E3? Yes. Okay. More, more than likely. I've I've actually been going to E3 since 2006. Oh, damn. So you've seen it really change. Yes. Was it always at the LA Convention Center? Or was it somewhere else? As far, like, as far back as I can remember, yes. Okay. Uh, and back then I went as uh, an an intern in quotes for THQ. Uh, so oh. I like, by all accounts, should not have been there, but was able to go due to some fun connections. But since then, I actually was going as like uh, writing for monstersandcritics.com and then uh, more recently through my own YouTube channel where I would do some like 
reviews of best ofs of E3 and then now more recently in working with uh, that one video entertainment. So. Yeah. So we, if he, when did you start going to E3? Oh man. The, when I went with uh, Geek and Sundry three years ago, we were on the floor. That was my first time. I would always try and go. And they were like, you have to know someone at GameStop and em- GameStop employees get to go. What? So I was, yeah, that was a big rumor. <laughs> Did you like get a little summer job at GameStop? I that tried to. So I funny. wanted to work at, but GameStop, like, you know, at least for our generation was like the job. It was, so like yeah. it was probably the most competitive, you know, so so, how has it changed? I mean, so for those of you that don't know, we we touched on E three a little bit in our our Comic Con episode. It is a, a huge convention that's coming up actually. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I can tell you the most uh, the biggest ways change is it used to be a trade only con, so that's why right. I said like okay. you had to work at GameStop, yeah. and I believe last year was the first year they opened it to the public, and it was bananas, mostly because it was so crowded. It was crowded, and they let in the public the same time as I was trade there. people, and I was there like. To talk about specific games. Every time I went there, I've like I've gotten there quote unquote legit. So I've always had something to do when I was there, and it was frustrating in like two on two levels. On the level of me as a gamer who wanted to play, but uh, also as someone who wanted to write about stuff. Like I didn't have the time to be sitting in all these lines. Exactly. So this year they're changing it and they're giving like an hour or two for the like press uh-huh. and industry to go in before. Yeah, it's definitely made a huge push where everything has to be by appointment only if you right. want to yeah. hands on with you know Capcom or Nintendo or right. Xbox yeah. like whoever it is you need to be making those appointments and and I mean I know this is a Nintendo episode but PlayStation has been very good about oh, yeah. uh really pushing like use our app schedule a time yeah. now you can come back in and like avoid the crowds oh, right yeah. which by the way if we have a ton of emails we need to respond oh, yeah, to no, I was just getting ready to respond <laughs> to I have so else. many in yeah. my thing I'm trying to like coordinate with my co-host I'm yeah. like yeah I can do it at this time but let me see what time if he can do it so so when did you start like Working with Nintendo, how did that happen? Did they reach out to your channel to basically partner with y'all? I don't know the exact specifics in uh, earlier iterations that I was working with them because Uh it was actually just my friend Gerard, who I've known since high school, who started this channel back in 2011 and just was like, hey, I've gotten the opportunity to be doing these interviews. I'd like you to be along with me as my videographer because I trust you. Uh, but to now more recent instances where like I'm a part of the company and so I'm like on the email chains and things like that where it's a matter of simply pitching back and forth like yeah. what the concepts are going to be um, and discussing those sorts of ins and outs of what's the what's the message that we're trying to put forward. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting too because I feel like Nintendo is – very much the Disney of the gaming world. Like they're very particular about their brand. Yeah. They they want to make sure that it's, you know, still level family fin- friendly. I think this is a good place to insert this fact. But with uh, Mario 64, since it was 3D, they had two different test groups. They actually had a test group filled with kids to make sure they were able to beat the game and then test groups with adults to make sure both people enjoyed it. So that being said, how was that planning stuff? Were, there, were they very like, were there moments where they thought, oh, that's a little too adult or anything? I mean, as far as we've gone forward, like the company that I work for is more geared to being a for everyone oh, nice. platform. So, it so, it, so already we're like within that uh, realm. 
Yeah, exactly. Whereas some YouTube talent mm-hmm. is definitely leaning towards a more swear-heavy, rage-filled uh, <laughs> audience. And so, Sounds like you have people in mind. Well, I mean, I, I, it, based on like a lot of what the clickbait culture goes for, yeah. they oh, go yeah. for like rage content. Right. And our uh, channel sort of prides itself on being a little more like, hey, let's try to uh, yeah. look yeah. at things from a more outside, like looking in perspective. Well, speaking of... Uh, cons like at twitch cons i was interviewing different streamers for this brand and there was like a youtube personality a gaming personality who they had the same mission it was more for everyone and it wasn't necessarily you know for kids but they didn't swear in any of their videos and they were saying how it made it easier to work with a lot of brands because Mm -hmm. you're right you do have just so much of that rage you know humor and also it's kind of falling apart now because a lot of times the people who lean towards that humor have a lot of skeletons in their closet or problems not saying the n-word on stream you know (laughs) so it really does you know in the long run kind of help Right. And so like a lot of I mean, really what it's come down to and just our interactions with uh, Nintendo have been a lot of like in the room sort of situations because most of our interactions have been like uh, question answer session sort of things or just interview settings. Um, We've gotten the opportunity uh, to sit down with Miyamoto to talk about uh, Star Fox Zero with both uh, Shigeru Miyamoto and Bill Trinan present, um, who's one of the Nintendo of America like treehouse. Yeah. Yeah. key like staff members um and then uh we've interviewed reggie fizeme who's mm-hmm. the chief operating officer yeah i think yeah. that's the yeah we that. talked about reggie i didn't say his last name right though i just found that out right uh, now yeah <laughs> reggie fizeme the thing that's great is they're all very nice and oh, amicable yeah. So cool. people yeah and are very forthright when the nintendo i think it was a, the nintendo switch event maybe it was a zelda event but we were speaking with him and he was just very candid yeah. both on and off camera, which is nice to be like, oh, you're not putting on like a camera persona. Right. Uh, and it's like, hey, you're y'all are like responsible for making some of the most important things mm-hmm. that I grew up with or played with. And right. the fact that you're actually, you know, it's like one of those like don't meet your heroes, but this time your heroes actually turn out to be uh, really yeah. good no, they, people. It's it's very apparent uh, in speaking with all of them, especially in like more one on one situations that they take their job very seriously and understand that like Nostalgia is a very powerful thing, yeah. and yeah. they want to be honoring like these franchises as best they can moving yeah. forward. Was there anything that you that like surprised you in their interview, or that like stuck with you uh, uh, after in, interviewing them? In the interview that we got to do with both Shigeru Miyamoto and Eiji Onuma, the director of the Legend of Zelda series, when we were talking uh, with them specifically before Breath of the Wild had uh, been released. Um, we were asking questions to, or maybe, the, no, maybe it was for the Star Fox one. But in either case, uh, Gerard was asking questions to Shigeru Miyamoto, and we could see that uh, he clearly understands English. Like, he he really doesn't need a translator to understand it, but he just prefers to speak uh, through the translator for his answers. Uh-huh. So there was just, like, little components that I was like, oh, he's more, he's much more fluent in English than I initially thought. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which was, like, that's like an odd little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm sure because he does so much work here right. as well. Um, yeah, that's so. So, what are some of the videos? So, is it mainly interviews and stuff, or what are some of the videos that people can they still look it up? Is it still on yeah. YouTube that people can check out yeah, what you, y'all have done? If you went to the Completionist and searched Nintendo interview of any Shigeru Miyamoto, Reggie Fizeme, 
uh, A.G. Aonuma, like those would all pop up pretty openly and readily. Um, What I was going to say, if because you brought up how the Nintendo 64, how they tested kids. Did you see that at Nintendo's headquarters, they have a super storage facility where they have pristine copies of everything they've ever produced. No, but I believe it only because I heard the story on Reddit where someone actually called the number on the NES. There there was the the support number at the bottom of the NES and Mm -hmm. the number still works. They still would give you tech support for, they give you tech support for every system. The only difference is now you really can't send it in for repairs because the part are too old but even your old nes super nintendo you can call tech support and they will have someone there who can talk you through fixing it oh my god nintendo's been very good at consistently just interacting with their fans on part of the uh nintendo subreddit and mm-hmm. the nintendo switch subreddit I'm on the switch subreddit too. yeah and there are a ton of times where i see people like posting of like hey i had this interaction or like i just sent a letter to nintendo and they didn't need to respond but not only did they respond but then they also sent some merch yeah just like free you know because they that's like the best publicity that Nintendo can possibly ask for is somebody just being like, hey, this company that I really love oh, yeah. responded yeah. and was super nice. Well, I mean, that's why I feel like the comparison to Disney is more mm-hmm. depth than just a comparison. You know, as someone who worked for the mouse, even mm. even <laughs> I feel like, you know, obviously at the corporate level, you're still corporate. But I feel like the soul of the company, like when you work for the part there is still that emphasis to create these magic moments. And I feel like Nintendo or is doing the exact same thing when they approach things. And I think Lego is a company that's kind of yeah. the same way where you, it's more than just being a company. It's more about creating this moments and being known for that. And they're kind of riding with that. Yeah. I, I think uh, Satoru Iwata, a uh, former mm-hmm. uh, president of Nintendo, rest in peace, yes. uh, said, and I'm going to horribly botch the quote, yeah. but he said, he said something to the effect of like, on my business card, it says that I'm like a president uh, and like a businessman. On my like door, it says I'm something else. But like in my heart, I'm a gamer. And like yeah. that's oh my gosh, yeah. And that's like what the big sort of resonating factor has always been with like the people who are really at the top. Just yeah. are like we've got a real sense of play and we enjoy that. And that's why things like Nintendo Directs have really. I think rejuvenated the Nintendo brand because for a really long time, going back to E3, uh, Nintendo opted to sidestep the Mm -hmm. live presentations in Mm -hmm. favor of these uh, video presentations of these Nintendo Directs, which allowed them to do very succinct, data-driven, but also fun and wacky things, which allowed them to have greater control over exactly what their brand identity was, their messaging. They didn't have to worry about any technical faux pas or moments where... They'd be like, give it up for, oh, we're experiencing technical yeah. delays and difficulties. <laughs> yeah. This is embarrassing for a game that we're trying to showcase and get everybody hyped on as yeah. opposed to here's everything so cleanly, tightly packaged that you. That is how they are. Well, that's and I feel like, you know, to take another step back beyond Nintendo, that's a step that I feel like a lot of the gaming community is trying to do is have that transparency. When you have something like the Nintendo Direct, we're getting a, you know, a dialogue from nintendo and we don't have to wait once a year to get it we Mm -hmm. get these fun things and it's you know as someone who's also on the switch subreddit it's interesting to see how excited everyone gets to you know have that experience and at the same time they've been 
really smart in my opinion about how they approach E3 in the past like four years or so when mm-hmm. they uh, whenever it was that they were like this is the last time we're doing a live thing uh leading up to E3 they just are like peppering out little bits of information that is not going to be a wow factor at E3 itself like they just released information about uh n- the Nintendo online service that they're mm-hmm. offering uh-huh. like what that sort of includes they just released uh, can you talk about that a little bit like, have you looked into it as far as uh, as far oh, as what it includes and what it's, it's going to be very, like? Very controversial. It's yeah, it's getting people. Well, and that's I think some of the reasons as to why they release that because I think at E three they just want it to be like it's nothing but games, 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 games that are going to get you so excited that yes. you don't even think about oh there was this one kind of like the fact that cloud save data <laughs> is linked exclusively to if you sign up for this twenty dollar a, a year. Account, but that's where everyone's going, though. Well, that's, that's the that's... and that's why people are mad is because you know there was especially Sony turned its back on us to to talk about Sony again real quick because it was just <laughs> the Xbox who they had the Xbox Live model and Sony was like, oh no, we have PlayStation, but it's completely free to play online. It's completely free. Then the PS4 launched and mm-hmm. then PlayStation Plus mm-hmm. came. So then it was like, oh no, but the Nintendo was still there. You still played for free. It was great. Everyone's happened. And then they announced Nintendo Online. And it was funny because the big meme going around is the person jumping into the pool. Like First <laughs> it was like Xbox in the pool and then PS4 jumps in the pool and then PC is staring at Nintendo like, don't do it. <laughs> but... But Nintendo is still doing it in their Nintendo way, which is like $20 a year is not no, yeah, asking that's not bad. a lot. Yeah, no, that's it not really bad. isn't. And I feel like if they wanted to do it, that's the way to do it. It's like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm still going to make it dirt cheap. I right. think even me in high school would have been able to afford $20 oh, a year. absolutely. The big question is when Smash Brothers comes out, will they have oh. like the adequate like backside to be supporting the right. numbers that are yes. going to be coming for it. 100%. Because it's going to be almost exclusively off of Wi-Fi because most mm-hmm. people are like the Switch doesn't have well you can you can do like a very dongly yeah, but you know no through one... a USB to an ethernet yeah. then you can like hardwire it but most people are going to be Even in our community remember when Dragon Ball Fighters launched? Oh, yeah. Well that's that's the biggest thing in gaming which is why I threw such a hissy fit until this point I still have not bought Dragon Fighters that that's the hill I will always die on is it's we so used, good, Ify. Normally, we used to use betas as a test. We would right. do these stress tests, and then we would change it between them. Somewhere along the line, betas have just been just free demos, mm-hmm. and there are little to no changes. And that was my complaint, is I knew this, mm-hmm. and when we were having server issues during the beta when the game is going to come out in a week, this isn't going to be fixed, and I feel like that is unfair. And sure enough, the game's released, and then there were server issues. Yeah. And I feel like, be transparent about it. Say it's a demo. There's no reason to say it's a beta if you're not going to change it. Sometimes that is what they need. Sometimes there is like a lot of changes within the span of the week. They go to crunch time. But I feel like it's more often than not more just garnering hype for the game. Yeah, that's definitely a uh, a company-to-company policy on how they run things because uh square enix released a demo for octopath traveler on nintendo switch because once you like signed up for it you could fill out a form afterwards Mm -hmm. and they were like we've taken into account a lot of what you've said so we've (laughs) added all these things and the same was the same was true with actually nintendo and arms they've done a lot of like very extensive because on on some stuff in the past uh they haven't been so good with their patch notes 
yeah. namely Smash Brothers. I'm sorry, Sakurai, for dragging you, but like <laughs> you prov- everybody had to like this is the podcast to do it. Everybody was like, you know, dragging him as they were needing to do like all this frame data shift, like figuring out yeah. and nonsense. And it was only through like very extensive forums and Reddit posts that you'd be like, oh, this is what changed. Yeah. Whereas now on uh, both Splatoon Two and on Arms, like any time that changes come, they're yeah pretty good about that yeah i feel like now there's a very big culture of your patch notes explaining what's going on people reading the patch notes before jumping in and let's not even begin to even discuss the fighting game community oh right they are so particular and specific especially when it comes to frame data and frames because that is how they strategize that's how they build just kind of their movesets around. That's how they figure out who their S-tier characters exactly. are. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they don't get many games. You know, I feel like this is a big year within the fighting game community because you got Dragon Ball Fighters, yeah. you got ARMS, which was supposed to be a big fighting game community game. New Smash coming yeah. out. Pokken was pretty big. Pokken, yeah. Pokken's still holding it down. And you, it probably didn't come out, but it was pretty close. You know, we got, I think, a Tekken you know. Yeah, it's a smaller community, but those who are in it are in it deep. If you guys haven't seen the Smash Brothers documentary on YouTube, what? I would highly encourage oh, that. Oh, no, I didn't. It's like a it's a multi-part uh series that walks its way up from melee into brawl and really chronicles how like there's East Coast, West Coast, like rivalries. <laughs> it, this is what we've resulted to. Oh, it's it's nutty. And <laughs> it used like, to be rappers, and now it's uh, Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> but it's great because I love it. Some like some of them are. Oh, it's still, so. I'm gonna watch it tonight. That's so yeah, fascinating. You're gonna need quite a few hours. Yeah. Um. Who who is your who is your Super Smash Brother character? Oh, I mean, I really do love me some Toon Link. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It, like I, I actually just get in the habit of like I enjoy playing as most of the characters, yeah. so I'll just set it on random and go okay. on for glory one on one and just like yeah. get bopped periodically. But then it feels really good when I'm like I understand how to use Zelda, yes. who's like a trash yeah. tier character, right? And you're you've been styling as Falcon, but I managed to like knock you out, so I'll take that as a personal victory. Ify, who's your Super Smash Brothers character? Oh, Shulk. That's how Shulk oh, boys started. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know You're that. You're maining Shulk. That's impressive. Yeah. So uh, at Geek and Sundry, we had a uh, like Smash tournament. Mm-hmm. I came through with Shulk. You know, bodied a few people, and then that thus became I the Shulk it. boys. Yeah. Mine is forever and will always be Kirby. As long as you're not pulling that nonsense mm-hmm. of sucking someone that, in and yep, walking off that, the edge. Too bad. You don't like it. Oh. I don't care. I'm going to use all my tools, including killing myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, I loved doing that. Thanks oh, for yeah, reminding me. Where you me. like grab someone and no, bring them down. Yeah, you suck them in and then you take them with you. You just oh. walk. And he's uh, so slow, just like the slowest movement of just walking them off the cliff. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. You're not going to. I mean, I think Kirby's so cool because, like I said, they gets to take on other people's costumes, mm-hmm. characters, and their abilities so people would always get on me about i like jigglypuff too when they threw jigglypuff in there yeah i apparently like the pink uh fluffy people yeah Yeah. you're a big pink fluff and hungry box reps jigglypuff real good Mm -hmm. so yeah but you know that's that's some of the good stuff in intel there's lots of good stuff but we can't talk about the good without the bad we're gonna talk about the bad after the break 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. We are going to be talking about the good, the bad, the ugly. This is more just silly, iffy, this one. The one, okay, so in 2000, Nintendo was sued over N64, uh, Mario Party specifically, and had to provide gloves for people who received cuts, blisters, and other hand injuries from using their palm to rotate the controller stick. This is how I feel. Is that these are people that just took Mario Party. These are competitive people, and I know I'm one of them. That's, yeah. Um, took Mario Party way too seriously and injured themselves. So the company ended up having to pay $80 million for the gloves and also agreed to provide $75,000 for the cost of the New York Attorney General's investigation. And they had to do an investigation into this. I mean, and the funny thing is, is yeah, that is a choice you made to just do it. <laughs> also, it's like Mario Party. If it was something like Street Fighter where like I can see somebody going hard, but it's like, no, I got to smash my mom at this Mario Party. Here's There's the n- thing. You got to like dial away from the boo or whatever when you're in that like you're being chased by it you gotta, oh right you gotta like rotate uh-huh. it as hard as you can to light that light bulb and get that star or whatever so i mean i get it there's you... there, it's high stress situations <laughs> but you're right it's such a family friendly like what we were talking about earlier in the episode was how we is you know marketed as like family we and a lot of these games uh these party games are marketed as things you can play with your family so you know someone's just trying to like slam into their aunt or their uncle that like doesn't really know how to play uh that to me is absurd and just shows that you can sue people for anything because they were 80 million wow i mean nintendo also got a lot of flack when they released the wii and they everybody did. wound up like Injured, breaking yeah. televisions oh, yeah. <laughs> their glasses like yeah even just... though they had the straps from the jump yeah. yeah and we're just like everybody wear your wrist strap everybody wear your okay we're just there like the the amount of videos that came out of people shattering yeah. tvs that's what we're gonna rebuild. see i was gonna say that's what you see more and more of with vr 
Mm-hmm. Well, ADR, uh, I mean, AR and VR, though, like all those VR videos of people just like walking off, you know, steps and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I remember on YouTube, all of the Wii, seeing people smack each other was basically what it, it's like a pinata. You know, you're blindfolded essentially with the VR and then with the freaking Wii. Yeah. Speaking of uh, things that people were giving Nintendo flack for, we all know Pokemon. Any child's craze is eventually going to be hated by tons of people, Christian nuts. But, you know, we have to admit that some of them are valid. I'm going to start, number one, with uh, our Pokemon Jinx, which if you don't know what Jinx looks like, I'll just describe her to you. She's completely black, has large pink lips, and blonde hair. Uh, So that was number one, but... Then Mr. We, Popo's wife. Yeah, but we've got, like, there's some interesting ones that went in here that I never heard of. So Kadabra uh, apparently uh, was seemed offensive by a celebrity psychic, Uri Geller, who thought it was a caricature of himself. Oh. Um, but, and at first I was like, what? Then I Googled him, and he's holding a bent spoon. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of has like a abracadabra kind of face. I, I I mean a cadabra kind of face. Abra is the first evolution. Right. Cadabra's the second. And Alakazam um, is the king. Yeah. So here I, I'm just let me see it. it. Yeah. So this is cadabra. Uh huh. Right. With a spoon. Okay. And then this is the psychic. I mean, he's got like. <laughs> They both have spoons. I see your point. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm failing to see the connection necessarily across person and Pokemon. But <laughs> you don't, you don't see it because he thinks it. He, uh, he really believes that's what they've oh, done. Man. <laughs> I think that person's just trying to get a little bit of notoriety out of this. That's... And look, yeah, yeah. look Wait, at this being simil- mentioned on a podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he definitely, uh, and he sued uh, Nintendo, and while the full details of the case have never been made public, Nintendo has since ceased printing on all Pokemon trading cards that feature What? Because of that? Yeah. What? God, we have so much power, I didn't even realize this. Uh, Ludicolo, which is the Pokemon who's like furry and kind of has a sombrero, Uh, you know, people are like Mexican stereotype, that's another one. Yeah. That's very... uh... I went on our friend's Christian fun pod, you know, that you were on, Um, and uh, I was on there and they made me watch an episode of VeggieTales or a movie or whatever, (laughs) and like the little... It was like a little butternut squash, but it was essentially like a very, it was a white person doing a Mexican accent. Oh, no. And I was like, one, you missed out on making him a bean. You should have yeah. been a Mexican jumping bean, okay? Like, one, you if missed that. If you're going all in on the racism. If you're going all, yeah, yeah, if you're going to go, go there. But um, I was watching, I was like, ooh, yeah. I, you know what? I stayed around for the credits to look and see, was that a Mexican? No, it wasn't. It was just a very um, over-stereotyped version. Uh, continue on, Ify. Oh, yeah. No, I can't wait for your... Uh... Your documentary series, the problem with that Veggie Tales uh, butternut squash. I mean, look. I mean, Hari really made some big waves with that, and I'm happy to see that he's like been able to do that. I don't know if you'd be able to tackle the Veggie Tales franchise. I feel like they're stronger than the Simpsons. They're, I know because they're Christian based. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you guys don't know what Ify is referring to, he's referring to the problem with a poo. Um, which uh, has been largely, it was a documentary, uh, very, very well done, um, that has now led to changes in The Simpsons. It hasn't led to changes. It's it, led a, to, to them... a discussion of them and them deflecting it. Yeah. yeah. No, but I feel that... Hank um, Azaria has said he's 
open to like retiring yeah. Apu or having right. somebody else do the voice. But Matt Groening said that people need to get over it. And I think that there might be coming back on that. Like, yeah. so well, that's what I smart. meant is that I think having Hank Azaria, who is the voice being like, you know what? I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. Then th- that is a change. Oh, hundred percent. Um, But, but yes, it took a, a while and it wasn't well received by their crew. At oh, first. it's still not well received. Yep. If you look at Hari's mention, I feel bad for him. But I mean, I just feel bad for him. No, I feel like, about our, it. I feel like <laughs> um, our friend Ali Gertz, who has a Simpsons podcast, I feel like they, as you know, fans, as lifelong fans, I think that they just, her and Julia just finished writing a book, but I saw that they were very much like wanting oh, that yeah. conversation to be pushed to the forefront. That's yeah. how I feel about, like, on a different note, when we had Mark Ellis, uh, mm-hmm. he's a huge Redskins fan. He was like, I'm so tired of this. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Just, like, he was a diehard Redskins fan. He's like, just change our mascot because it's clearly offensive and we don't need to keep bringing this up every... And every. they're not even a good team. Like, yeah. I can see if you were a good team, you're, you're like, like oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, you want to change that legacy it's of being just a trash name. team. Yeah, just yeah the- but that's what I like that about fans is just like, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Like, can we change it? So I hope that yeah. they listen. So well, it's, it, it, I know it is funny because the NFL does have that stance where they're like, it's impossible where the NBA changes t- team names like this you're like true. like uh new orleans was the new orleans uh uh hornets when they took it from charlotte and then they switched to the pelicans and create their own name the bobcats used to be another team like mm. just change it anyway you'll be fine one of my favorite features in animal crossing is uh rossetti uh which if you're sure. unfamiliar with the game rossetti is this character who if you which I thought was a great feature and almost made me go, why didn't they always do this? But if you turn off the game without setting, uh, without saving, if you turn off the game without saving, he would lecture you before you play about how important <laughs> it is to save. And so apparently there was a whole thing about it. So Nintendo included a supposedly instructional character in one of his video games that was so harsh and such a jerk they had to forewarn parents about him. Here's the warning from the instruction manual. Information for parents. Mr. Rossetti, it is important that players save before switching off the Wii console in order to retain data after each play session. See saving data above. If players shut off without saving, the character Mr. Rossetti may appear upon restarting. Mr. Rossetti's purpose is to teach players the importance of saving. However, parents should be aware that his personality and tone of voice, while intentionally humorous, <laughs> are authoritative and may be disturbing to young children. Yeah. So. Mr. Rossetti was one of those, like, surprises the first time you did it. Because you you'd mainly reset in Animal Crossing because you decided, like, oh, I didn't like the way that something turned out. I missed yeah. an opportunity. I'm going to, like, time travel by changing the calendar on my console or whatever. Uh, and Mr. Rossetti would just be like, you just did this thing, so I'm going to lecture you on this as like a punishment, yeah. really, for like <laughs> trying to game the game. Yeah. Oh, man, that's, uh, you know, before we wrap this up, I want to take a quick second to, rem- to remember that sweet part of gaming where you would just shut the game off before you lost, uh, which oh, yeah. is why you <laughs> as, a, as a Game Boy fan would remember this, but it took me forever to start Golden Sun because you're supposed to lose that first battle, mm. and I kept thinking that like... <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I definitely recall, I mean, I think we all did it, trying to catch the legendary birds in Pokemon, and oh, then yeah. like, you failed to catch it or you exhausted all your Pokeballs. You're like, turn it off, turn it back on. Yeah. All right, let's oh, try yeah. this again, and you saved like, right before you engaged in your encounter. Oh, yeah, so good. 
Man, so, you know, it's so, I know that this was our, Ify and I have to do a lot of these kind of intro, general, bigger picture uh, shows and topics before we dive into, like, because I do want to do a full episode on Mario. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, <laughs> on there's Super so, Mario. you've got so many games. I know. To play. Well, like, yeah. If you just went 2D, you'd be yeah. deep for a while. Yeah. But yeah. then he's also, also got his 3D. He's got all he his, has his movie. Games. His movie. Yeah. Super Mario Bros. We which, don't talk about that. No, I was going to say, before we started recording, I was like, because we have a great research team, but uh, now, which is great, um, because it was just Iffy and I trying to go through, you know, decades of research for a lot of our stuff, but somebody put in the terrible awful uh movie super super mario bros oh, i'm like who took wrote so that so much offense you're the only one who will take offense to that. you know what it, and also when we were researching remember i was i said that they put like that cosplay as a hobby and i was like you know what who's putting this is shade i'm, I'm gonna talk to them this is low-key shade that they're throwing into these Look, docs to some it's a hobby to some it's a job to some it's a lifestyle yeah. um so <laughs> yes we'll have to we'll have to tackle like you were saying there's a super smash brothers documentary that's like two hours so it is difficult we appreciate all y'all listeners for um you know we do want to tackle more specifics we're kind of just hitting a couple of these we're going to hit in a general and then go into more specifics but luckily you have us forever we're stuck together so we have a long years and years worth of things to cover Uh, michael what is your favorite nintendo game oh geez uh i'm gonna go with I'm going to go with Metroid Prime right now. Okay. Metroid Prime was a solid entry. It was one of those just strong, strong GameCube games. Yeah. Um, Pikmin 2 is also really great. Yeah. Super Mario World's really great. Like, now you're just starting me down a yeah. long list of loving Nintendo, which... Dang. Ify, what's your... Closing out, what's your favorite Nintendo game? Uh, the Monster Hunter franchise. Mm. They, you know, when they mm-hmm. jumped from PSP to Nintendo... It was great because they were the first to step into just online play. Um, actually, that's a Capcom game, but released on a Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well, well if you. I have to choose a Nintendo game, <laughs> sorry, I feel like I have to no, do that do. so yeah, yeah. the comments don't roast you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's what I played on my 3DS. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like if I chose a Nintendo game and I had to, then I would say the Metroid Fusion. Uh, game was really Metro- lit. It was Metroid dope. Fusion was great. It also came out like right alongside Metroid Prime. So yeah, you that's... could dress as Metroid Fusion suit and Sam on yeah. Samus, which was great. God, I don't. There's so many. Um, man, I normally say Diddy Kong Racing just because it was such a huge part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. But I truly, honestly, love Super Mario sixty four so much as have well you, as like. Have you gotten a chance to play Odyssey yet? No. Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I did. I did. But I don't own... I need to go out and get it. I always buy these games. I'm like, I'm going to play them. And then they... I, I don't. I do I do a podcast about them instead. But... If you if you like... Uh, my man's nipples are out. Yes. Yeah. They are indeed. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that to know he's anatomically correct. That's all... I'm surprised he doesn't have more hair for a full-grown man with a mustache, but... Uh, he waxes. Okay. That's, I respect it. I mean, waxing your nipples is a bit... Dramatic. Mario's a fairly dramatic character. Yeah, maybe he uses Nair. Mm. Um, Michael, where can people catch you? Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Belated Media. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube at Belated Media. I do like movie reviews, and I've got like an animated pilot that you can check out. Dope. Yeah, 
It's Yay. fun. It's about a girl who's being raised by ghosts. Check that out. Oh, Ooh. that's so cool. I love that. I will. Um, I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez, M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. Both Ify and I were, will be at E3, we'll be at Anime Expo, and we will be at San Diego Comic-Con. So we will be announcing you know, where specifically, and I think we're on a couple of panels, but definitely feel free to come up and say hi to us. Oh, and I have a podcast, the Sorting Hat Podcast, which uh, has a friend and I have experts on, and then um, uh, they uh, discuss topics, which we then sort into the various houses of Hogwarts. So if we were talking Nintendo, we'd talk Nintendo franchises and be like, is Legend of Zelda a Hufflepuff? No, it's definitely a Gryffindor. I don't even know why I would entertain Hufflepuff. 100%. But Pikmin's definitely a Hufflepuff, guys. Hufflepuff. (laughs) So is Kirby. Mm Mm-hmm. You can catch me at if you Wadi Way on Twitter and Instagram. I have Y N W A D I W E. Catch me here every Tuesday. Catch me on Candy Dinner every Monday. And make sure you tune in on those socials. See when I'm doing shows and all that good stuff. And uh, make sure you're giving that five star review. Remember, I'm trying to trying to get this merch popping. I know we've like, already had requests. Yeah, yeah. We'll look into some designs. Maybe I don't know if you're an artist. Shoot us some designs. Um, <laughs> but no, what we did that for Krillin it. I feel yeah, yeah. like. Uh yeah, shoot us some cool things. We can we can make stuff. We can make shirts. We can I wanna work out with a picture of us on it. I just wanna look at myself in the mirror when I'm working out. But in a shirt. Yeah. But in shirt form. Well, like we always in the podcast. Stay nerdy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>